You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What's up, guys? Hope you're doing well. Hey, we are continuing our sub-thread elements here on the podcast. Last week, Amy Mitchell brought an incredible message, and if you weren't able to be there on Tuesday night or you didn't catch that episode, I'd encourage you to go back, listen to Amy bring uh, just a a, a phenomenal message um, as we've walked through these different elements uh, that we've looked at through Scripture. This week, we're going to look at the element of water. And water plays a huge role all throughout scripture. Um, I'm going to point you to another message. If you are looking for how water plays a role throughout like the grand narrative of the Bible, go listen to the uh, most recent message on Faith Chapel's website, or you can find that on a podcast. Nate brought an amazing message this last weekend about water. What I want to do this week is I want to look at one story that actually happened with water, and we're going we're gonna to dive into it. We're going to pull out some applicable points. And uh, it's a story that so many of us have heard. It is the story of Peter walking on water with Jesus. But um, I, lo- I like that I said Peter walking on water. It's Jesus walking on water and Peter walking on water with Jesus. So like the story of Jesus walking on water, just, just, just for clarity. But before we jump into that passage, what we have to understand is that this interaction, this story happens right after Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Some of you grew up in the church. You've heard the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Uh, the Spark Notes version is this, is that the disciples and Jesus are with thousands and thousands of people. The disciples go to Jesus and say, hey, we, we've had a long day. We need to send all these people home because they need to eat. And Jesus says, you feed them. And they say, we can't feed them. We don't have, we don't have any food. And, and if you wanted us to go buy food, like it would cost like an insane amount of money to feed this amount of people. So they ask around and they find loaves and, and bread, loaves and bread. They find loaves and fish and they feed all of these people. Um, and it's just this incredible miracle. So this happens. And then the thing that we're going to talk about this week happens. Like, it's just amazing. Jesus is just like, boom, 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 miracle after miracle after miracle. But what, where we're going to start is Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 23. And it says this, immediately, immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, while he dismissed the crowds, after dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. As we read through the gospels, we see that Jesus regularly removed himself from the busyness of life to get alone with his father. And that's the first point this week is that we need to get alone with our father. We need to get alone with our father. In the craziness of life, it can be incredibly difficult to find solitude with Jesus. And and Jesus did that with his father. Now we get to do that with the father along with Jesus. Like th- this is something so, this is so important. And, and I think about this in, in rhythms of my, even my own daily life is that I have a habit tracker. Many of us probably have habit trackers on our phones, whether we use them or not is the question. But I have a habit tracker on my phone. And one of the habits that I am constantly trying to do every single day is to spend five minutes, five whole minutes. Wow, that's like so much time. Five minutes of silence and solitude in the presence of Jesus, that, that I would just sit in the presence of Jesus and I would say, what do you want to speak to me? And it's amazing when I actually set apart that time, what happens. But 
it is one of the hardest habits for me to do. I have so many other things that, that take way more time, that take way more effort, but the intentionality of setting aside time to spend in the presence of Jesus can be really, really difficult to, for us, especially in a Western culture. And I would just really encourage you, set set time aside every single day to sit in the presence of Jesus. If Jesus did it with his father, we should do it as well. It's as simple as that. One of the things that I love is that, that right after a big miracle, Jesus went to prayer. He was like, Hey, I just fed 5,000 people. Something miraculous happened. I'm going to remove myself. I'm going to get in the presence of my father. And, and he gets, he gets to go get recharged. And then he steps right into another miracle. And would we use that as an example that, that after God does something through us, would we not just sit and celebrate, but would we get in the presence of Jesus, worship him, get fed by him, and then go and do whatever God has for us to do next. If we want to see God move, sometimes we have to stop and stay still. Let me say that again. If we want to see God move, sometimes we need to stop and stay still in his presence. There's a story, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. It says this, while while they were traveling, this is Jesus and the disciples. While they were traveling, they entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. Let's, let's be people who are Mary, not Martha. Like, like I, I, and Martha always kind of gets like the, the bad in this story. It's like, oh, Martha's the worst and Mary's amazing. Like Martha's trying to serve Jesus. She's trying to serve the disciples. Like there, there's something really beautiful about that, but she prioritized the moving and the busyness and the staying, staying on task and all of those things over sitting at the feet of Jesus. And, and my prayer is that we would be people who sit at the feet of Jesus so that he can fill us up and then we can be more productive. We can be better followers of Jesus because we have actually taken time to soak in what he has to say for our lives. Let's be like that. The story in Matthew goes on to say this in verses 24 through 27. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. There's this storm. Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Have courage, it is I, do not be afraid. The next point this week is that fear is a natural response and courage is a supernatural one. I love the simplicity of Jesus' statement, and yet also the profoundness of it, right? It's me. It's me. It's Jesus. I am here. Have courage. Do not be afraid. My prayer is that we would understand that, that we can carry that same courage into our lives and situations as well. Jesus is with us. We can leave fear behind and step into the courage that the presence of Jesus provides. That, that as we live our lives, we we live out in conflict with the world around us and in all of the different craziness that is happening, that we would hear the voice of Jesus say, hey, I'm here. Have courage. Don't be afraid. There's a story that I heard years ago about this, this village in Africa. 
and there's guerrilla warfare that is happening all around them, and, and this, this, these guerrillas come into their village. They destroy everything. They kill all the adults, and this group of children escapes from the village into the forest. And they're there. They're terrified, naturally. They're, they're scared. And a man shows up, and, and they're very hesitant, obviously, with this man because a bunch of men just destroyed their village. But this guy comes with food and water, and he just keeps showing up day after day after day. And eventually one of the kids says, like, who are you? Why are you doing this? And he says, I'm Jesus. And then he leaves and comes back the next day and just keeps coming back time and time again. This is this is a village that has no interaction with the gospel. And um, eventually, you know, aid comes in, somebody comes in and, and rescues these children. They're interviewing these children. And they say, what's going on? They said, well, this man, like, he kept bringing us food. He kept bringing us water. He kept, like, like bandaging our wounds, like all of these different things. And uh, they're like like, what, what do you mean? And and they said, we don't know. We don't know why. We don't know how. We don't know where he is or where he went or whatever. But this is what we do know. When he was present, we were at peace. When he was present, we felt safe. And I think it's a lesson for us to understand that when Jesus is present, as he always is, that we would be people who understand that he is with us, that he is with us, that he is for us, and that he will keep us safe. Jesus changes everything. Matthew chapter 14, verses 28 through 29 goes on to say this, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come out on the water. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. Peter was such a bulldog. It got him into a lot of trouble. Uh, if you read the Gospels, Peter was kind of a bonehead and a bulldog. Um, it, it definitely put him in precarious situations, but it also put him in amazing situations where he got to be in proximity with Jesus. The next point this week is this, into the storm. This is what I want to highlight about the beginning of this interaction is that Jesus did not calm the storm before he invited Peter out onto the water. Jesus did not calm the storm before he invited Peter out on the water. Jesus didn't say, okay, oh, Peter, Peter, wait, let me, let me create the perfect conditions before you come out here. It's, it's a little scary, buddy. Like the winds, it's, it's high. The waves are choppy. Let me, let me smooth everything out. And then you'll, you'll be able to walk out towards me. No, he said, come. Peter said, Hey, call me out onto the water. And Jesus goes, okay, come right now. Let's go. We have to realize that Jesus is asking us to walk towards him in the middle of the storm, not wait for the right time. Our, our lives are storms regularly. And Jesus is an act asking us to wait for the perfect conditions to come towards him. He's telling us to come now. What we must realize is that peace is not found in the absence of the storm, but is in fact found in the presence of Jesus. Peace is not found in the absence of the storm, but in the presence of Jesus. Too often, we become people who are stuck, waiting for life to present the perfect opportunity. Like this, this might come as a complete shock, but life is never going to be perfect. Life is broken. We, we gave away perfect life in the garden with Adam and Eve. So in the midst of our imperfect lives and in the midst of being the imperfect people we are, in the midst of the imperfect situations that, that we have to walk out, we get to lean in to Jesus. We get to walk through the storms of life towards Jesus. But for that to happen, and this is the next point, we must get out of the boat. We must get out of the boat. I love this story because Peter shows the courage to get out of the boat. He could have just stayed safe, but Peter wanted to join Jesus in the middle of the miracle. He wanted to participate, and Jesus invited him to do just that. I think I think that we have to understand that, that Jesus is wanting us not to, just to witness the miracles of God, 
but to participate in the miracles of God. Even the story that we talked about before about feeding the 5,000. Jesus didn't just do it. He said, no, you feed them. Like he wanted the disciples to, to have this part participatory relationship in the midst of the miracle. Like they're the ones who, who take the baskets around and feed the actual people after Jesus prays over it. Like this is amazing that Jesus doesn't just like snap his fingers, food drops in everybody's lap, they lap, they, they, they eat and then they go on their way. No, he's like, Hey, like participate with me. You, you are in this with me. It's so important that we understand that Jesus wants us to participate in the miracles. Like, can, can I just tell you that you were not created to observe I know that we've been conditioned to sit back and watch, but can we kill that perspective in our lives? We were not created to observe. We were created to co-create. We were created to co-labor. We were created to be a team with God in the midst of this world and, and find people for Jesus. At the very beginning of creation, Adam and Eve were created to be co-creators, co-laborers with God. And even in the midst of the fall, even in the midst of the sin, even in the midst of all that, Jesus went and found people and said, I want you to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He didn't say, I got it. He said, no, you do it. I want to be in tandem with you. This story, this story is so important. The glory of God, the glory of God, the majesty of God, the, the miraculousness of Jesus was already on full display the moment that Jesus walked on the water. That's the miracle. That's incredible. Jesus was walking on water and everybody could have looked and been like, oh my gosh, Jesus is amazing. But with the second that Peter said, hey, invite me out, he said, yeah, come with me. Come with me. He did not need Peter. He did not need Peter to get on the water for the glory of God to be revealed. The glory of God had already been revealed. But what he wanted was the disciples to understand that in him, all that he was doing would be possible for them as well. He wanted them to participate in the miracle. I don't know exactly where you're at this week, but can I just encourage you, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Move towards Jesus, and he will do incredible things as you do that. Verse 30 says, but when he saw the strength of the wind, this is Peter, when Peter saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. The next point is this, eyes on Jesus. It can be really tempting to, to see getting out of the boat as the end game. We step out in faith and then we pat ourselves on the back for being so faith-filled. And that, that's great. Getting out of the boat is super, super important. The problem is that it's not just getting out of the boat. It's getting to Jesus. The goal is not to get out of the boat. The goal is to get to Jesus. Peter lost focus. He got caught up in the wind and the waves and the fear of the storm. And I don't think any of us can fault him for that, right? He was walking on freaking water in the middle of an ocean. Like, what? Like, he's human. And he's walking on water towards Jesus. And there is a storm. And there is he is in the middle of a sea. And he gets scared. Yes, of course he does. Of course he does. But here's the problem is that too often we allow what is going on around us to cloud our vision of what is right in front of us and what is right in front of us is Jesus. The truth is that we will sink without Jesus. But what I love about this passage is how Jesus responds to Peter when he starts to, to sink in verse 31. It says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Jesus reached down immediately. One, he didn't let Peter drown. Like, thank God for that. But two, he didn't even let him worry that it was over. Like he didn't let him like splash around a little bit and be like, well, I'm going to make you think that you might die. Like, no, Jesus reaches down immediately and grabs onto Peter. 
Peter was worried that, that he was going to be overcome by the storm, that this was the end. But Jesus was reminding him that with him, with Jesus, nothing would be able to end him for good, that he might get knocked down, but he would never be defeated. Jesus grabs him immediately and lifts him back up. I can't think of this story. I can't preach on this story without thinking about a message that was given like six years ago at Young Adults by one of my friends, Heidi. Um, and, and one of the things that she said is, it's not really clear how they get back to the boat, but they do, right? They get back to the boat. In, in Matthew chapter 14, verses 32 through 33, it says, when they got back to the boat, the wind ceased. Then those on the boat worshiped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. But they had to get back to the boat. Jesus walked Peter back to the boat. Like, it's important that we understand that, that he didn't just leave him in the water and that, like, he walked off and then the people had, like, the rest of the disciples had to come and get, get Peter. No, but, like, Jesus walked Peter back to the boat. Peter it has Jesus with him. And just like that, you and I have Jesus walking with us back to the boat, back to wherever we need to go. Jesus is always present. Jesus is always with us. So at the back end, verse 33, it says that they worshiped him and they said, truly, you are the son of God. And, and this is the last point this week is that worship should be our response. Worship should be our response. Naturally, the disciples worshiped him for what they just experienced. And naturally, we should too. At the beginning of this message, we talked about feeding the 5,000 and, and it was just a couple loaves and a couple fish. And the disciples just witnessed him do that. I'm sure, I'm sure that when that happened and then Jesus says, hey, go get on the boat, go out into the sea that's probably the topic of conversation, right? They're probably looking around going like, what the heck just happened? Like we just fed 5,000 people. Like what is going on? Like it had to be the topic of conversation. And then a couple hours later in the early morning, here comes Jesus walking on water. They didn't say like, oh like, yeah, of course, classic, classic Jesus, just walking on water. No, that's not what they said. They said first, it's a ghost. Like they were flabbergasted at something that was happening in front of them. And then the moment that this interaction stops and he gets in the, in the boat, they start to worship him. They aren't like, I think it like is so crazy to me that they got to experience miracles just like that, like back to back to back. And, and, and their response was not, Oh, like, Hey Jesus, could you like cut it out? Like we're a little miracled out here. Like, can we just give us a break, man? No, they sat with Jesus and they worshiped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. Truly, you are the son of God. They worshiped him. And we, would we be people that never cease to worship God, no matter how many times he shows up, no matter how many times he comes through? The question of why did you doubt that Jesus issues towards Peter always has struck me. Because I think for a really long time, I read that like angry, that Jesus is looking at Peter and he's like, why did you doubt me? Like, are you dumb? Like that is, that is just like how I read it. But the more I get to know Jesus and the more that I walk with Jesus, I don't think that that's his tone. I think his tone is Peter, my friend, like, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? You know that I have you, you know that I'm with you, you know that, that I'm for you. And I think for many of us, we need to understand that, that, that in the midst of our unbelief and in the midst of our doubts, in the midst of all those things, that Jesus isn't angry with us, but he's just saying like, hey, like, what do I need to do to make sure that you know that I am here for you? Like, like have big faith, have big faith, understand that I'm with you, that I'm for you. And like I said, the moment that you saw me on the water, do not be afraid. It is I have courage. Would we be people who understand that with Jesus, all things are possible. And with Jesus, no storm will ever take us down. 
Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.